0: hello my name is julia streets and welcome to diversity podcast talking about equity inclusion and diversity in financial services on the podcast we seek to shine a light on positive progress call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change and before we get started today i just want to take a moment to thank our friends at city am they've given diversity podcast a new home at impact am their pages dedicated to ESG, impact investment, DE and I, and much more. And we really appreciate that they publish and promote both our episodes and our supporting blog series, so their readers can stay right on top of the very latest diversity, equity and inclusion debate. So thank you, to City AM. Now, this episode is the second international feature podcast focusing on tech in Ghana. And I'm delighted to be joined by two guests today, Kingsley Abrakoa and Daryl Koku Mawator abraham Allow me to introduce them to you. Kingsley Abrakoa is the chief enabler and the chief executive officer of Kudigo. He's an entrepreneur, a tech innovator, and has spent the past 13 years working with top-tier professionals across a range of industry verticals honing his skills in software development, marketing strategy, and brand building. And at the very heart of his work is this passion for creating impact-oriented businesses that ultimately contribute to both the business and the social landscape. He believes in the power of mentorship and strives to build businesses that prioritize institutions over personalities, always with a focus on creating positive change and impact. So Kingsley, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, Julia. Excited to be on the
0: show. Our second guest today is Daryl Koku Mawator Abraham. He is the Growth Director in Africa of Tap, Tap, Send, An experienced fintech leader, Mawator has almost 20 years of experience in creating, building and scaling businesses in the UK financial services sector. He is responsible for growing TapTap Tap, Sends business in Africa. It's a money transfer company that is committed to lowering the cost of remittances and reducing inequality in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. He is passionate about Ghana and even more passionate about moving capital into Ghana through forming partnerships with local fintech firms. So, Mavator, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me, Julia. It's Nana.
0: Mavator is based in London. Kingsley's based in Ghana, and I can't wait to get into this discussion because I am so curious to know what each of you are up to. Uh, Kingsley, let me come to you first of all.
1: I'm based out of Accra, and um, I've been focused on trying to build um, tech solutions for micro and small businesses um, with the entire intent of helping them gain what we call digital commerce literacy. So back home here, you have a lot of retail businesses, mom and pop shops, who struggle to figure out how to scale their business. And I strongly believe that tech is an enabler, and so by creating very usable tech tools that can plug into existing fintech rails, we are able to bring them to the fore of innovation and allow them to expand their business without changing their behavior. So it's really an African solution for an African market targeted at the people who really move the local economy, which is our micro and small businesses.
0: Fabulous. A, incredibly important work. And I've got so many questions about the, almost like kind of the makeup of your target market and then therefore those who work within the industry as well. So thank you for being with us. Uh, Marato, I have the same question to you. Tell us what you're focused on right now.
2: Right now I'm focused on moving all the capital in the West into Africa. And I say that with all the intent that it comes with, which is there is a lot of imbalance between the West and Africa. And my job is to help individuals and help small businesses as such move the capital they hold in the West into Africa. That's my main focus and that's what I do. So I spend most of my time traveling around the African continent and Europe and the US and and the UK to help individuals recruiting talent, finding capital and helping individuals be able to move money into Africa. And that is such a hugely important, hugely passionate bit of work that I do. And my immediate focus now is finding talent in Africa and talent in London mainly who want to work on the African continent or who want to focus their work whilst based in London on Africa. So it's a hugely important bit of work and we need all the talent we can find. So that's been my major focus, moving capital, finding talent to help us move capital and finding capital to help us move capital. It's all about moving capital for me.
0: Fascinating. And I'm really curious to get into that. And obviously the, the talent part of that equation is is so important. Well, Kixi, let me come to you first of all. Paint us a picture. Talk to us about the vibrancy and the innovation of technology development in Ghana right now. We hear great stories about the work that's happening there. And and particularly with some context around the weird and, as I describe it, wonderful world of fintech.
1: Back home in Ghana and Africa as a whole, I strongly have the view that Africa has always leapfrog tech adoption. Um, For example, when you come here back home, you won't find a lot of people using um, bank cards or using bank accounts but you found bad adoption very high. And the reason is that the way we use tech locally is akin to a way of life. You find out that any um, young man, young woman, any small business owner can afford a simple Android phone for them to be able to do WhatsApp conversations. And so if you want to build tech into that ecosystem, you need to look at exactly what they have access to and be able to embed that tech into those particular devices that's enabling them to have that question that is needed. So locally, I always say that, look, a lot of our people are very tech-savvy, but not how we define tech-savviness. Their tech-savviness is centered around exactly how they can use the tech tools to benefit them, not going on Zoom calls like we are doing now. I actually don't even know what Zoom calls are. But they know exactly how to move funds on their phone Know how to send WhatsApp videos. Know how to send voice notes and stuff like and that. That's how tech is used in Africa. It's akin to our way of life, and is designed to empower us to do great things. And so, it's a great landscape, great adoption, great people, and it's always I mean marvelous to see how they use the solution that we develop in an entirely different way that we thought they would use
0: it for. And, you know, I'm always really fascinated to to try and cover these leapfrog stories because there's incremental change and there's leapfrog change. And to hear you talk about, you know, uh, not so much from the point of view of the provider, but very much through the lens of the user uh it's fascinating to kind of hear the developments that are happening and no doubt we'll, we'll get much more into that as well and and Mato, i'd love to come for your point of view i mean you were talking there about the passion for moving capital and also uncovering talent as well talk to us a bit a bit about the the emergence of tech in ghana and your, your views on the, the talent that's coming into the industry
2: it's a very good point kinsley makes about leapfrogging right and it's a very good point about the emergence of tech and innovation and improvements in ghana And Africa as a whole. So I look after Africa. So I have the pleasure of traveling to Nigeria quite a lot, Kenya quite a lot, Cameroon quite a lot, Senegal quite a lot. And in the last five years, I have traveled mainly as a person who is consuming tech in Ghana or who is part of that ecosystem. But for the last three years, I've actually worked in the ecosystem and helped to create an ecosystem which is now delivering results, right? So five years ago, there wasn't really an ecosystem of tech in Ghana, right? But that has changed. And Kinsley would bear fruit to that businesses like Pudigo are businesses that have come up as a result of an ecosystem being created This did not exist five to ten years ago so i think the build-up of the ecosystem which includes everybody from regulators to talent to individual companies to telcos to all sorts of people have helped create an ecosystem which allows a regular everyday person to get up and create a new business and try and do something in the tech world try and do something in the fintech world i think that's has seen this massive move of innovation and massive move and massive growth in tech in Ghana. And I can see it, I think in Ghana, more than most of the African countries I visit, is growing a lot and booming a lot in tech. And I can just see it growing and growing and growing. And it's it's probably gonna take a few more years to catch up with where we are in the West, but I'm really, really excited to see how it's going. And mostly it's been in payments, right? But there is also innovation in agriculture, innovation in manufacturing, innovation in services, innovation in tourism, and this has all been enabled by ecosystems being created, one. It's also been enabled by people and talent, right? So when I schooled in Ghana 30 years ago, I didn't know what tech was, right? But people are now learning what tech is. People are, throughout their education, understanding what different jobs there could be in tech. Girls are getting interested in tech. Kids are getting interested in tech. Everybody's getting interested in tech, which means that things are changing. And this is fueling the growth and making tech a bit more accessible a bit more ready and inviting more people and growing the tech space so I'm excited to see it and as a Ghanaian I'm super excited to see how Ghana is growing massively in the tech world and booming and it's going to continue booming too.
0: And for both of you, you know, the passion and pride you know comes bursting through my Zoom lens as we're recording this. But I wonder if I could just kind of just, just explore this from a couple of angles. So one of them is obviously particularly from the diversity point of view. And you talk there about ecosystems and you talk there about, about talent. And we'll put capital aside for a moment. Hinksy, can I bring you in here? I'd love to get your thoughts about um, you know, when we start thinking about doing business on a local scale, regional scale, and also global scale, um, what you know, what, what are your thoughts around kind of talent development? And also, you know, are, is is there a very conscious move towards bringing greater diversity into the talent mix or are we at risk of just finding mostly male-founded, male-run businesses?
1: Like just said, I mean, five years ago, when you asked this question, I will say, yes, there is a big gap. Yes, there's not inclusion But as of now, a lot of work has been done. Deliberate efforts have been made to ensure that, for example, girls get into tech, women get into tech, they are highly profiled out there. Because let's face it, women run our economies, right? They make sure that these economies move. So the more we put them at the forefront of innovation, the better we can actually scale up and be where we want to be. So now in Ghana and Nigeria and across the continent, there is deliberate effort for inclusion across all spheres of the demography whether you're young, you're old, you, wh- whoever you are, once you have the interest, there is a way to learn some tech solution. There is a way to learn programming. Now in Ghana, Ghana arguably has the widest pool of very skilled tech talent from programmers to I mean, designers and whatnot. And these are people who without that probably would have ended up in a boring probably public sector job just you know, while in the time away. But now there is that innovation There is opportunities to work remotely. So really, I think there's no better time now to trumpet the fact that there is real diversity and inclusion when it comes to tech in Ghana and on the continent
0: as well. And it's great to hear, you know, kind of that move over the last five years and also the, the focus on the inclusion. And of course, it's not just a gender discussion. It's also about disability, LGBTQ+, and, and dynamics around that as well. I, I'd love to bring the capital element into this discussion, if I may, Mabitor. And just, you know, with, I imagine, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, that that's a capital from the, the diaspora is probably forthcoming. I'm curious to know whether you experience any biases or any sort of proactivity from international investors not within the diaspora?
2: There's brightly biases. When, uh, as a founder, as a black founder from Ghana or Nigeria, you go to the open market and seek funding. I think it's okay at the seed capital stage, right? Because you can normally get some friends, families, and fools to join you to raise seed capital and then you start your business, right? But to scale the business, you need what we call serious money, proper money. You need $10 million, right? And then you have to seek funding from the US has to seek funding from the West in general, as a black founder based in Africa, black founder based in Ghana, Nigeria, what do you tend to face is two things right, one, there is the market. And the understanding that investors have of the market we play in most of the investors out there don't understand the African market, they don't understand what the market could bring, if i told and I've done that before I've told big investment firms in the West that there are 10,000 fintechs in Nigeria. They're like, what? It blows their minds. They don't get it. But Nigeria has well, almost 400 million people. So the chance that there are there is 10,000 fintechs is absolutely believable. But they don't believe in the markets because they don't understand the market and because they don't have enough of an interaction with the market. So my call to action using your great platform is to say to investors in the US, in wherever they are in the West, come to Africa, visit Africa, understand the market, Get because it's a market where there are returns to be made. It doesn't matter that they are black, it doesn't matter that they are in Africa, and we stop to see Africa as a scary, dangerous place to invest, no, there are real returns to be made here, and I would encourage people to come and see it. So the first bias I will talk about is the market bias where people don't understand the market that we play in, and therefore don't understand the opportunities that exist in this market, and this vast land, land mass that we have that could generate results. There is then the individual bias. Individual bias is me, Black person. I look black, I feel black. When I turn up to investors who don't live in Ghana, who don't live in Africa, their trust of me is very different to their trust of a white co founder, right? So I tell my founder friends in Ghana, look, if you want to raise capital in the US, get the white co founder and go and do it, right? Is that the right thing to do? Probably not. But does it get results? Yes, it does. So we are still in that place where, as a founder, if you get a co founder who looks different to you. And you go and present yourself to a, an investment firm in the west you are more likely to get capital landed than if you turn up as two nigerian boys who say look we want to take over the nigerian market we've got this tech we've got this innovative new tech and we want to build it the belief and trust in that individual is very different and i don't blame them because people believe in their own i am more likely to trust somebody who looks like me talks like me and sounds like me than somebody who is not so that individual bias leads investors not to immediately give us big money, trust us, and say, look, you know what, come in, let's hear what you have to say. These two biases still exist. So I tell, I tell, I tell my founder friends, go get yourself a co-founder who doesn't look like you. You might get better results. And hopefully the market will change. Hopefully the capital market will change. And we'll be in a place where we don't have to do these things. You know, but practical advice, you need somebody, you need another co-founder to help you raise that funds. And those biases exist. And we're working in with those biases every day. And we're hoping that we can get to a point where it doesn't exist anymore. But right now, that's the world we live in and we, we are we are happy with that and we're going to f- try and find and fight to change that
0: well let's pick up on that point where i'm curious to know where would you advise investors to go to become better educated well kingsley do you do you have an opinion on this and then marital coming back to you
1: well thanks julia and i think uh, i do have an opinion on that i agree with everything marital said because he, he, he hit the nail right on the head i've been through it personally because i'm an african founder in africa from africa with no diaspora connection. So imagine how hard it is to to talk investors right. I think for an investor watching this podcast today, if you're looking to invest in Africa, understand the African tech landscape, there are lots of well-noted organizations who have taken the time to build these connections. For example, you look at Tech in Ghana by AB20, you look at Africa Tech Summit, all these are time-tested events that have tried to tell the African narrative in the right context. So don't just go and do a Google search on the first page. No, go on LinkedIn, find people who run these organizations, message them, even if it means paying a premium to get the right information. Do that, because what you get will be worth your while than just going on Google and just sticking to what the first page tells you and taking that as the gospel truth. So that's how I would approach understanding how to invest in Africa.
0: Mauta, would you agree with that? Is that is that the best approach?
2: Yeah, I would I would totally agree, I would say find find the key people within the African fintech space and find the platforms, and we are grateful for such platforms, we are grateful for diversity podcasts, right. Such platforms allow us to project who we are as African founders, we sound different, we look different, we come across different, but look, we got, we do some amazing things in Africa, the only way you can find out properly what the real truth is about the market about the individuals in the space in the African fintech space in the Ghana fintech space is to attend some conferences okay come and see what we're doing at Tech in Ghana come and see what we're doing at uh, Ghana investment promotion council and what they are doing look at the fintechs that they are pushing and promoting because this is there's a whole program of work which is trying to showcase and put forward some great fintech, some great work on the international scene so it's not Google. It's not asking your friends in in Silicon Valley because they wouldn't know what's happening in the in the ecosystem. So what happens normally for a y founder is if you if you ask your friend and they, they don't know about it, it's like, oh, OK, it can't be that serious. But no, don't don't take your friend's word for it, because you may have 10 or 11 friends in the capital space or who are all investment bankers or investors. But there's a very high chance that because they don't know about it doesn't mean it's not real. OK, there is other people who know about it. There is platforms to find out that there is a way to seek that information i think it is these platforms it is platforms like these it is reaching out to the tech giants in the world there is lots of individuals on linkedin who have been posting about tech and tech in africa for a very long time talk to them they will point you in the right direction that is the way to get the right information and to start to get a deeper understanding of the market so you can start to get some returns because this market is up for, for sure.
0: And I do think it's really fascinating, particularly in this economic context, global geopolitical economic context is, you know, kind of uh, the opportunities that, that investors are keen to seek in order to get those returns. Thank you. It's really helpful to be able to understand where to go. I think that's important. But I do now want to return to this question of talent because, um, you know, we talk about gender, we talk about race, disability, sexual orientation, particularly on the show. And, and also social inclusion is really important. And that's, I think a lot of that's come through in the discussion so far. But I, I want to be I want to pick up on this sort of really key question about um, you know, Marto, in your work, you've talked uh, about, you know, the importance of bringing your authentic selves to the workplace, but we have to realise that there will be some African partners out there who, particularly when we think about sexuality, aren't perhaps quite as open-minded. I'd L- love to get your thoughts on on that.
2: Yeah, so I, I say that, I mean, we, we have to play the versions of ourselves which get us results, right? And I, I say that with all the respect in the world. So I have I have worked in in London and the West most of my life. I've only started working in the African context in the last three years, right? And I've had to be Darrell most of my life. I am now free and confident enough and senior enough to be Malto, right? Whilst I was climbing the ladder, I've sat in many boardrooms where I couldn't refer to myself as Malto because calling myself Malto means people just look at me differently. They're like, where do you come from? What's your name? It becomes a subject of conversation, which detracts from the main work we're doing. Now, that same context applies when I take my colleagues, I take a lot of my colleagues from the West into meetings in Africa, meetings in Ghana, meetings in Nigeria, and I tell them, I love the fact that you're my colleague, I love the fact that you're gay, I love the fact that you're lesbian, but let's not make that the subject of the conversation because some of our culture in Africa has not quite caught up with the world and the West. And we have to be respectful in different contexts, right? So I wouldn't introduce myself as I am auto, I am gay, I'm a senior developer. No, I would start with, I am out of, I have 10 years in development and I am solid, okay? Because that, that is that is the context we're talking about. Now, at lunch, at drinks, at dinner, when they ask a bit more question, are you married? Yes, I'm married. I've got two kids, adopted, okay? I'm married I'm married to a guy. These are, these are the conditions that we need to teach people to have in Africa. So I advise my colleagues when we go into African context and we have done that many times to say, just be careful about how you throw and ram down your own diversity in the throats of Africans who probably are still catching up on that cultural front, and it's our culture we have to respect it, right? So we have to be mindful and respectful of cultures and not be ramming down the throats of people what our own diversity is. And I hope that that would not be always the case because that will change, right? I've sat in boardrooms with very male Nigerian people, and there's this one guy with me who was gay, and I've kind of I've been worried about him because he's the kind of guy who would talk a lot about his his own sexuality, which I've told him many times, doesn't really matter to the context. Let's get on with the work and respect the audience who we're with because things could go south very quickly if you start to mention certain things in meetings. And I think we have to be mindful of that whilst we do business in Africa.
0: It's helpful, really helpful to get your insights on that and, and you say the, the, the context and, and what are we here to achieve ultimately. But Kingsley, let, let me bring you in as well, if I may. So your thoughts on any aspects of diversity, equity, inclusion you think require further focus uh, within Ghana and within the workplace?
1: I, I think um, th- Thanks, Julia. I think um, a lot of the things Mao just said are right on point. And I've actually had this experience personally when I had a co-founder who was a lesbian, right? And um, she found it difficult to come out to me because, again, like Malta said, in our society, when you are working, you are not focused on talking about sexual preference and stuff like that. But then once she opened up to me, she realized that, I mean, I was in the like, look, I mean, if that's who you are, I'm supporting you 100 percent. You are as good as anyone else. And you are my co-founder. I've got your back every single time. I think what we've we need to try to focus on a sort of a gradual education and sort of let people understand how and when and where to sort of have these conversations i'm sure 10 years from today we wouldn't have this conversation anymore cause it will probably be i mean like more about diversity now that diversity is now everywhere and stuff like that but if you try to put it in every conversation now for someone like me i have lots of friends who are gays, who are lesbians. We hang out every time, we have parties, we do all we have to do, and we cool like that. But there are not a lot of people like me, and rightly so. It has to be a a behavioral change. It won't happen instantly, but there are efforts to make that conscious effort. Luckily for us in Ghana, there is no deliberate effort to victimize anyone who is LGBTQ, no. We are acceptable of them. I am acceptable, my friends are acceptable of them. But, like Malta said, is the right context every time, and let's all help educate people on how to appreciate everyone's preference so that together that we can create a community that we all want to live in. So that's that's really my take on that.
0: Well, thank you both for your thoughts on that. and I can't help but feel sort of within me that you know the energy and the vibrancy of this fintech community that in its of itself is probably underestimated, has a great opportunity to play this leapfrogging. Uh, potential or or to add a leapfrogging potential to driving change in, in, in the LGBTQ discussion and appreciation and value within the industry as well. Really, really fascinating. I think this is a great moment, by the way, to bring in Cynthia Akinsanya for some research to support today's discussion. The
3: 2023 World Bank Blogs article uses data from the 2021 census to show that the adoption of fintech has been impressive in Ghana. In 2021, 67% of Ghanaians used some form of fintech applications, mobile money and or internet banking, of which 62% used mobile money and 5.2% used internet banking. Launched in 2009, the uptake of mobile money into the country was initially very slow, In 2012, three years after its introduction into the Ghanaian market, the number of active mobile money accounts in the country stood at only 350,000. By 2020, the number of active mobile money accounts had reached 17.1 million. So, Cynthia Akinsania, thank you, as always,
0: for that research. And let's just take a moment to remind everybody how to find Diversity Podcast. Links to the research can be found on our website, diversitypodcast.com, and don't forget it's diversity with a C not with an S, diversitypodcast.com, where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Do also sign up for our newsletter called DE&I That Caught Our Eye, where we share news stories and updates so you can stay on top of what's current. Of course, you can follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Diversity Podcast is available on Bright Talk and all good podcast channels. And By the way, we'd love a five-star rating. We're very proud of our five-star rating because it all helps to promote the show and to carry these voices much, much further. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for all your thoughts before we went into Cynthia's wonderful research section. I would love to ask you now the question that I ask all our guests as we close out the show, which is, you know, let's be aware of the economic times, the geopolitical times in which we exist. And I'd love to get your arguments for why the diversity, equity and inclusion debate must remain top of the priority list. And Marato, I'm coming to you first.
2: must it must do right because i say that because we find ourselves as a black person i find myself in the minority of, of 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 this discussion right and we are pushing up and making sure that this discussion doesn't die out until there is some equality okay in the world until there is more inclusion in the world and and there's more diversity in the workplace i've spent 20 years in corporate life and in those 20 years i have seen diversity increase but in those 20 years i've also seen diversity being kind of trampled on the ground and people not caring right so i would really really like to see diversity improve diversity become center stage of what we're doing in many corporates and in fintech i say this for one simple reason our customer bases have improved and changed and grown right the customer base is as diverse as you can think of so any company that you are any corporate that you are you are serving customers from all sorts all shapes and sizes Your management and your boardroom must reflect this because I think we can better serve our customers if we understand them more, right? So if your customers are diverse, you need to be diverse to serve them better. If you're not, then you're not gonna serve them as best as you possibly can. So have a serious look in your boardroom. If everyone in the boardroom looks like you, you you're not as diverse as you could possibly be. And you need to make some changes to that. And this is why I think very, very seriously that we need to keep this conversation on the agenda, And push it as much as we can, as individuals and as companies, to make sure that the workplace that we work in is as diverse as possible. It will bring us more returns. We can serve our customers better and we can make as much money as we can in corporate life as we want to do.
0: And that absolutely aligns with the intention of this podcast from day one, which is this isn't a, a nice to have. This is all about commercial ambition. It's about success and uh, you know and mindful capitalism, if you want to call it that. And Kingsley, c- come on in here. <laughs> s- close out the show with your compelling reasons why it absolutely must remain high.
1: Well, thanks, Julia. You know, I always view life as a place full of colour and colour makes everything beautiful. And so if you're able to intentionally include diversity and inclusion in everything you do you open yourself up to so much potential and so many endless possibilities so if you're not doing that you are really doing yourself a big disservice because the more inclusion you have the more innovation you have the more great friends you make and the bigger the market is for you so personally i always put myself in situations where i have to learn because that's the only way you can grow So you need to be intentional in your business, like Maotu said, about diversity and inclusion, because it makes everything beautiful and everyone is happy that way. So just live with that. I mean, be happy and embrace everyone, because that's how the world really should be. So that's my take on that, Julia.
0: I couldn't think of a better way to close the show. I really couldn't. Kingsley Abraqua, thank you so much for all your thoughts and for being with us today.
1: Thanks, Julia. I'm very grateful, very grateful for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. And also to uh, Daryl, Koku, Mawator, Abraham. Mawator, thank you for being with us today.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure and um, I think it's been great. Thank you very much for having us.
0: And the final word, of course, goes to our listeners. Thank you so much for being with us once again for another episode. If you'd like to get in touch with our two guests today, just go to the website and you'll be able to contact them. I'm hoping we've got some investors listening. Uh, Thank
3: you for listening. I've been Julia Streets and until next time, goodbye. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by Roshan Roberts on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests from this week's show on our website. That's www.diversitypodcast.com. That's diversity with a C and not an S. Whilst you were there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. And finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.